everybody welcome back to the combat chain i'm your host patrick shaw with me as always is adam philip chuck adam how are you doing today hey pat i'm doing great happy to be here uh happy to be back again after another little pause uh yeah super excited to be back yeah, it's good. To, it's good to be back. Yeah, we've been we've been busy bees. Uh, we've been busy qualifying for our respective nationals. Uh, we've been busy testing for upcoming pro tours and said national events. Uh, and uh, I've been uh, I've been on a on a tear here, making some blitz gameplay videos, and uh, and just recently got the while editing said videos, got the call up the emergency uh, call-up to the Fresh and Buds podcast, uh, where I got to co-host with Tommy Fresh on his one-year anniversary uh, of of podcasting on Fresh and Buds. So we just wanted to say congratulations, congratulations Tommy, Tommy Fresh. Yay! Celebration! <laughs> but yeah, 52 episodes. Uh, I was happy to be a part of that. Uh, love, love the Buds. Love... Love Tommy, so I was very happy to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, it was. It's it's been yeah, it's been it's been a minute, but we're back. We're back at it. We're we're looking to kind of solidify what we're doing here uh, moving forward, right? We're gonna try to be m- making this a little more regular uh, than it has been. Kind of recommitting to 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 the podcast and putting it out and. Uh, you know, making sure the quality product is, is what we want it to be. Yeah. I think what we're aiming for release every Thursday. Is that what we were saying? I think so. We're targeting, targeting Thursday releases for the pod. So, you know, pay attention. Uh, those who are listening to the combat chain Thursdays are going to be our targeted release date for our weekly episodes. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, but, uh, Adam, you are, a couple of weeks out now from Pro Tour Lille. How's how is how is getting ready for the Pro Tour? How is it? How is it happening? How are you doing? I'm not gonna lie, Pat. It's a little stressful. <laughs> uh, the... uh, how about beyond beyond just the cards? How is getting there and like getting to to that part of the world? How is that working out? I mean that part's all that part's all good and kosher. We're we're booked. We're uh, you know passports in order. We're ready to go. Um, it's just a matter of whether I can get my poop in a group and figure what I'm going to play. Let's let's walk that back one second. Poop in a group is that what you just is that what just came out of your mouth? You, you heard me. Yes. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right, I'm going to write that one down. I have never heard that expression before. So, what does the? Uh, <laughs> that's it's really it's it's a good one. I've never heard that. So, Adam, we know that the pro tour pro tour Leo's happen the 26th to the 28th. When are you? When are you coming to France? Uh, we are flying out. So we fly out on the 23rd. Technically, land in France the morning of the 24th in Paris. Now, I'm sure that there there is uh, that does leave us a little time for some sightseeing and some 
contemplation and some last-minute prep. Um, but we do know that the structure of this Pro Tour is going to be uh, three rounds starting on Friday with three rounds of Uprising Draft, followed by four rounds of Classic Constructed, with uh, the cut to day two being X4 or better. Now, how's your how has your drafting been in Uprising Draft? Um, it's been not bad. Uh, I... I mean, I got the the RTN win on uh, on draft there, uh, so you know something mm-hmm. seemed to be going right for me. Uh, I've been trying to get in as many drafts as I can, just to, like have a good feel for the set and have a good feel for what like the right signals are for each hero, um, mm-hmm. and kind of like what the just have a good strategy for that draft. Now, at this point, do you feel like are you? <sighs> Are you comfortable enough with one hero to potentially force it uh, in a draft, or do you feel like you are well versed in all three enough to just kind of take take what the picks give you and feel confident about your your chances in any given draft? I am very much of the the stance of draft my seat. Um, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. with whatever what whatever the cards give me. Uh, what you know what whatever's in the cards. There we go. Uh, yeah, I I have no problem ending up on either hero. My fear is just having the the right support for that hero. Now, if is there is there a card in in any of these uh, classes that are like you would love to have five of if they if they come your way? Ooh, I mean, yeah, there's definitely in. For each hero, some of those, um, like I mean, in hmm, trying to think of a, yeah, I guess a perf- you can't go, can't go wrong with like a red, like five red Ronin renegades. Yeah, I mean, like five, five, it's easy, but, but yeah, but I mean, yeah. So like on on Dramai, like is there what, like rake the embers? Like, do you want five of those, or do you want like two of those only? Because they do like there's a ceiling there with your ashes. I mean, it depends on how much other ash generation you have in the deck. Like sweeping mm-hmm. blow, for example. Um, I'll, I'll take as many of those as I can get. Um, that okay. guy is because mm-hmm. it, it's like it's such a simple. You know, the red is uh, pitch or pay one, come in for three, make an ash go again. Uh, turns on your dragons, gives you ash. Like it's not, it's not a phantasm card. Like it just does everything that. It does everything that that Dromai needs. Um, Icelander, on the other hand, I mean, I'll take. I I do like the Aether Ice Veins. Whether I'll go all in on like wanting three plus of any of them is tough to say because it's expensive. Uh, maybe the blue one. Mm-hmm. I'll take uh, a few copies of it because I can. If I draw into a bunch of them, I can I can pitch it, but it doesn't fuse, and it um it, it you know it, it doesn't trigger the the frostbite effect on on Icelander. So it's it's so so it it's when it's good, it's really good. Um, I feel like Ice Eternals one I would take a few copies of. Yeah, that, that seems that seems like a good one. Yeah, I know. There's there's like, a few. I, Icelander seems like it has it's super particular too. Yeah, like if it's. You had, it's what like a blue is is, is aether ice vein like a blue aether ice vein is that something you'd be like yeah it's not like 
it's not like a pack one pick one love it what is what is what is your ideal pack one pick one sash if you had sash yeah and we're and that would just put you that would put you right into either Dromai or Fi, or do it, you have a, like a, is that slotted specifically for like one or the other for you? No, I'll take Sash in either in either Fi or Dromai. Um, and the 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 catch with Pack One Pick One is just because you got that card doesn't mean that that's going to be your seat. You could hmm. Pack One Pick One a you know snap pick a, a Sash a Sandakai and end up in Icelander. And yeah. you have to be okay with that with the early the first five six picks of your draft. Sure. But despite that, Sash is just so powerful, and it's going to be such a hard card to get late in the draft. And you're more mm-hmm. likely to end up in Draconic than anything else. So Sash is yep. yeah, Sash is just a, a powerhouse of a card. It's draconic tunic. Um, so you have to get uh, you have to get three four or better coming into going into day two, um, which means you have there's plenty of room here. You get three rounds of draft, and then you have four rounds of classic constructed. Um, so if do you think your odds are better of going three zero in draft or four zero in CC? I'm definitely gonna try to go three zero on the draft side. That's that's where I'm pushing. How how do you feel about CC right now? Not good. <laughs> um, how about, do you think that the um, do you think the meta itself is is healthy and the picks are just difficult because there's no more uh, like there's no ninety ten winner matchup that is also good against the field or is it uh, is it something something else yeah you know i i do think from what i've seen so far it's a fairly balanced field is prism gatekeeping things to some extent yes but mm-hmm. some of that i think is necessary like you you phase out Prism at this current point in the meta, I think Bravo becomes hard contestant for best deck. Um, mm-hmm. And that maybe becomes like alarmingly so. Um, at least right now with Prism in there, like it, it gives other decks, it, it, it stifles some decks, but you know, your mm-hmm. Wizards and things like that, it's a harder match for them. Warrior has a harder match, but it allows, it allows things to not go go rampage do you um do you think it'd be guardians in general do or do you think bravo overtakes oldham as like best guardian in the format i think it's more likely to see bravo on top i think to some extent you know just fatigue's not fun to play so mm-hmm. and and that's that's what old him does at at his best is fatigue that's what he's built for he's built to be an iron iron wall uh so I, I think for the most part, yeah, you do see Bravo uh, as top of the the Guardian metagame. So you have uh, you have just over one week out uh, before you travel. Ooh, that's kind of it's oh, the sixteenth. It, yeah, yeah, we're recording on the sixteenth. Uh, so you said you're leaving on the twenty third. Yep. All right. Yeah. So exactly one week from tonight, you'll be on a plane. Yeah, this time next week, I'm on a plane, I think, like, on my way to France from Toronto. 
So you have <clears throat> there's seven rounds Friday. Would tell me tell me visualize here. What do you what do you got after day one? Where are you at? Oh, that's I. You know I I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't have delusions of grinder. I don't think I'm. Uh, I, I the, just the, the prep I have right now. I don't feel like I'm a top eight contender by any means. Um, mm. My part of my goal going into pro tour is. I, I like a day two for me would mean the world, uh, especially coming out of uh, Jersey where we, you know, we didn't do so hot um, just to like stay composed, mm. keep my head in the game and, and qualify for day two. That that would be pretty sweet. Do you think starting draft would it would help alleviate some of those potentially tilting moments? Do you I hope that, so. Are you? Are you uh, are you considering yourself a limited guy right now or constructed guy? Uh, very much on the limited side. I I'm, right. I, I just feel more confident there. Um, yeah. And I just I always have in in flesh and blood felt more confident in limited. Um, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I know some people say it's harder than than Magic Draft. I I think some of the concepts I think just come a little bit easier to me in in flesh and blood draft. Uh, so. Um, we'll, we'll see there where it, it, if it does pay off, I know like last year at, at Canadian nationals, it was the day two was a rough day, but day one, it was kind of draft that, that, that carried me through into day two. Mm-hmm. So do you see something similar happening? What is your record at the end of day one? I mean, if I'm, if I'm four, three, I'm doing really well, I think. Fair enough. That goes. That puts you into day two. Yeah. You where you have another uh, three rounds of draft and four rounds of classic instructed. Uh, what is? What do you think? Let's say you made it to day two. What do you, What do you think that looks like at that point? What is that? What does the second day draft uh, feel like? I think the 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 second day draft feels definitely a little sweatier, but. Mm-hmm. My whole, and, especially and, if you get to get to know some of the people you're bumping elbows with, yeah, uh, yeah, very point. much so. Um, I, I mean, I typically the 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 later drafts are a little tighter. Uh, I find mm-hmm. in an event, though. With that being said, like being that pro tour is already supposed to be the best of the best to begin with even the day one draft is probably going to be pretty tight Uh so do i really expect like day two draft to be all that different from day one probably not maybe yeah maybe a little bit of a tighter experience but for the most part i think just 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 throughout the the entire event i think it's going to be tight compete level and or high compete level tight play uh tight drafts tight everything like it's it's not going to be an easy event Mm-hmm. Now they say they say in when when the pressure is up on limited, and you get to these these high tier events, whether it's callings, nationals, or or pro tours. That sometimes when you're drafting, you can kind of, uh, you know, if the pressure if the pressure comes, people tend to uh, stop thinking so much and go to muscle memory, and that and the, they tend to start drafting what they know. If if this situation arose where you felt like you're like you had to zone out and just 
go muscle memory and draft what you know what are you what are you picking right now in terms of heroes where would you where would you lean where you're most comfortable with your your basis your basis instinct of uprising flesh and blood right now my easy answer to this question though that that um i don't know if this is the safe question but like for me once again it comes back to drafting my seat like Mm -hmm. i am going to be most confident on a deck that i think can perform well and if i feel like my if i feel like my drafts hot garbage i'm just going to be tilted going into even match one so that's where like i think like ideally for me muscle memory is reading signals and drafting according to you know whatever whatever seat um I open. like it. I like it. Your your instinct is to draft the best deck. That's fair. That's a fair. It's fair answer. Yeah. 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 And that. But I should say draft the best deck for that seat. Um, yeah. Because there's going to be you know like ideally there's going to be lots of strong decks at that table, and mm-hmm. it's just like if you can find whatever the best one for you is. I think for me the hard part's going to be if those signals are a little muddy and hard to read that might make me a little tilted you know trying to like maybe trying to bounce around figuring out what i should be picking and just getting a little frazzled because we don't know where exactly we're supposed to be sitting and then we end up on a subpar deck and yeah um this might be too so you you say play your seat play your you know play play what's what's happening there is it does is there a seat for everybody like if you're sitting if you're sitting in like if you draft optimally is there a hundred percent like a hero that will be open to you because that's how the game is like the mechanics of draft is formatted or do you, is there is there real potential to just get you know the shit end of the stick uh depending on where you're sitting it's going to depend on the pod um, some people are akin to hate drafting others aren't some people are really good at reading signals and they know when they can make a pick that's like when there's nothing good for them in that pack but there's maybe a strong thing for something else they can you know like pick those things off and uh, try to have the stronger deck than anybody else in comparison so it's going to depend to like depend on really who's who's at in the pod and and what everybody's individual draft strategies is uh i think ideally like there's a reason why we draft in pods of eight and like lss has designed the game around you know a box being able to uh you know feed an an, an entire draft pod support uh, there we go that's a better word support an entire draft pod and i think in a perfect world there is support for everyone at the table, but then it comes down, you know, like that, that's magical Christmas land outside of magical Christmas land. You know, you have to consider everybody's individual draft strategies and the RNG of like how some packs can be stacked and others can be a little weak and, um, you know, where everybody's sitting. And like, there's so many factors there that like, it is very possible for sure for someone to have a, a, a hot garbage draft. And I pray it's not me. The old heart garbage, uh, poop grouped draft. Fair. No, poop, poop in a group's a good thing. You, you... <laughs> poop in a group. Poop in a group. I suppose. I. 
I I want to I want to go down this rabbit hole, but I will not. Um, all right, that is uh, so. Best of luck to you. We'll we'll have to figure out what we're doing. We just committed to a weekly, uh, a, a, a renewed weekly commitment, and you are in fact flying out next <laughs> next Tuesday. So Maybe we're we gonna can do something to... like we can record on the Monday, and then I can edit it while I'm flying and upload when we land. We will we will make it work. We'll make something happen. We will we will we'll stick to this commitment. We'll make it happen. Excellent, excellent. All right, let's move on to the news. Uh, two pieces, three pieces of uh, news happening this week. Uh, this weekend we wrapped up Battle Hardened. Battle. Ugh. This week we wrapped up Battle Hardened Portland, a classic constructed Battle Hardened event that featured not one, not two, not three, maybe three, one two three it did in fact feature three prisms in the top eight uh and also a viscerai a dash a bravo showstopper an oldham and a dramai ash artist and wouldn't you know it when all the marbles were on the line and all the stars uh aligned for prism to finally get over the top on on uh, living legend points Viscerai comes in and takes first place. <laughs> this is like Starville all over again. Uh, yeah, uh, first place went to Dexter Canwright on Viscerai Rune Blood, uh, winning the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, three Prism players uh, in the top eight couldn't quite couldn't quite do it. Um, but uh, a very very exciting. Did you happen to catch any of the Battle Hardened? Unfortunately, I missed this one. Um, there was, there was a few very spicy, so it was, it was streamed on Twitch by the attack action pod guys. They did the play by play. So Isaac, Colin and Taylor, they had done the previous battle hardened at LA. They did battle hardened LA, uh, not too long ago. So same group, same setup, uh, uh, remote this time. They were not in person, but they were, they were catching the stream. A uh, friend of the uh, friend of the combat chain, Yuki Lee Bender, was on stream uh, playing Viscerai. Unfortunately, that that match ended in a draw against Dromai Ash Artist. It was a very uh, interesting interesting match that went to time uh, there. But uh, I do want to I want to bring up that the the second round match featured on stream on one side was Prism Sculptor of Light. On the other side was Ko Berserker Runt. <laughs> I heard, I did hear about the Ko. Both decks one and zero going into the second round. So Ko either got a buy or got one over on somebody else. And I'll tell you what, with the amount of prisms uh, that were were there, solid meta call. I don't know. It was it was working. Uh, I didn't catch the full name of the KO pilot, but his name is Travis. Uh, I don't have a deck list. I want I want to know what was in that deck. I'm pretty sure outside of Blood Rush Bellows, it was all at least six attacks. Uh, but uh, but our intrepid hero, 
I think was also pretty new to Flesh and Blood as a game. I don't think he had faced Prism before. So uh, you could see on stream there was some explanations of what Spectro was. Uh, he was rolling the die into Arclight Sentinel, getting six and being super happy about it. Uh, but, you know, slight deflation when the Sentinel goes away and he doesn't doesn't do any damage. Um, but kept the life totals respectable. Had Findel's Fighting Spirit, uh, both the reds and yellows, which if you're at less life than your opponent, if you attack or defend with Findel's Fighting Spirit, you gain a life. Yep. Uh, had, a, had a Heart of Findel. Uh, Arcanite Skullcap was activated from Jump Street. Uh, he was popping Phantasm every turn. Uh, he was clearing out auras, maybe not optimally, but he was doing it. And Prism got down to single digits. I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain it was not, uh, it, it it was not outside the realm that Ko could have taken that if the lines of play. I, re, I re really needed some coaching. It was, it was, it could have been real, real close. Uh, but left to his own devices, it was it was all for naught. But man, what, there was a whole community rooting for a young hero uh, on that stream. I tell you what. So you know, hats off to Travis, the KO pilot, wherever you are. Respect. <laughs> uh, and that's the battle hard in Portland. Elsewhere in the news, uh, it was recently brought to LSS's attention by uh, recent guest of the pod, Tyler Broughton that uh, uh, it was recently brought to the attention of LSS through Twitter uh, by friend of the channel, Tyler Broughton, that a win in a ProQuest Season 1 event was improperly credited to Starvo when a Prism actually won that event. It was verified that that person did, in fact, win with Prism. Uh, but, but the implication there is that Prism would have earned Living Legend points by this latest banned and restricted announcement and would have been moved to Living Legend before Pro Tour Lil. This is so, spicy. I suppose. What I think what <laughs> I think no matter what, we were gonna get Prism and Pro Tour Lil. Yeah, I think, I think it's reason, too late for LSS to yeah. go and fix it now. I think if they knew what would be really interesting is if if Prism had hit LL, uh, would they have made the ban announcement for Stubby Hammers if Prism hit LL at that time? Or would they wait for the scheduled August 30th announcement? Right In, in the world, Prism made it. Stubby's was an unannounced ban and suspended announcement, right? Would they have been obligated to Living Legend Prism at that point yes because it just automatically if she's at right would they have banned stubby hammers if prism was going to get ll'd at that same day i still think so because like either way stubbies was a problem right right yeah but would it be i guess what i'm saying is right they had an unannounced band uh, band announcement would that have would they have gone through with an unannounced surprise band announcement if it was tied to a living legend announcement as well i still think they would by have, their yeah. their own rules they would have had to initiate it immediately right and then 
your your recent battle hardens and coming into pro tour would be a completely different a different landscape um <clears throat> all that being said is i think it's very interesting because there's a couple couple things that they could do the fact that they the fact that it happened in the first place is is interesting in itself there you know and uh, there's always going to be room for error, but when you get obviously when you get to there's 998 living legend points, we're missing two points. Someone found the margin of error, right, and and could correct it right now. What is what is the course of action that happens now? I mean, the real the the most likely reality is that. Prism's around for Pro Tour, and will even if LSS can get down to the nitty gritty and figure this out before August thirtieth, we won't see anything before August thirtieth. I don't think so. Um, if they wouldn't do it for for Starvo, uh, I don't think they'll do it for Prism. Yeah, I definitely, and especially right now, I don't think they'll cut out. Um, they would not do it right now. I think if um, if. Like to go back to your point, like had it come down to this occurring right around the the Stubby's ban, emergency BNR, if they could figure out the math in time and infer, in fact confirm whether Prism is LL or not, I think they would have done it for then. But okay. now, th- now that we're this close to Nash or not to Nash to Pro Tour. I yeah I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it happens. That's fair. Um, but it is very interesting. I don't think there's anybody else that's close enough to raise an eyebrow. Uh, to but it makes you wonder, uh, and it makes you wonder how they'll uh, will they acknowledge it? Um, if I were them, I would I would simply say that the yeah you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't give the points. I guess this is what I would do. I would just wait till something happens i don't know if it's a good look for them to be like you're right whoops Ooh, there's two more we got there um but we'll see see how they do <laughs> i mean good luck or not if the points are there the points are there aren't they yeah yep but it'll, just, it'll be interesting to see if they're like oh you know what this was properly accounted for on the back end uh the number is right it just doesn't appear to be so because we've we, you know, are, is the number wrong or is the name on the leaderboard or the honor oh, roll? Oh, yeah, that's a good point like, as well. You know, so is it right? So there, there's a little more to it than strictly LSS got the numbers number wrong. That 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 has to be verified. Yes, that Prism right Prism did win that event, but are we saying that we are missing living legend points for that Prism, or was that a properly accounted for and someone just? moved moved the player to the wrong uh you know wrong uh, they, they messed it up on the the excel sheet or something like that yeah yeah someone just yeah someone just moved two guys over instead of one uh and has, has caused a, a kerfluffle but yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out um the, the implication here is that right if if no action is taken and prism does not win an event before or by the end of Pro Tour Lil. Um, and I believe that there is, there will still be a battle hardened in Lil where it can happen. 
there's a battle hardened, a calling, a pro tour, and uh, there's a battle hardened Singapore. Um, you know, there, there's a few things here that Prism can still win. So if Prism doesn't win any of those things, as it stands right now, Prism will be in the meta for national season. So does LSS give the points and say Prism is done, the meta changes for nationals? Or if, if the points are there, if the math adds up and it turns out she's supposed to be LL, I certainly hope they do. Yeah. Agreed. It'll definitely make things interesting to watch um, in the event Prism misses, right? If Prism wins something, this is all a moot point. It happens anyways. Uh, it'll to see how they handle a situation where... And for what it's worth, Prism's not in a great spot right now. It doesn't seem like it. Prism is middle of the road, but it definitely has some bad matchups. It has some good matchups, but it doesn't have... I do not know if I would put it in S tier right now. Not like it had at one point. No, it is not as dominant uh, as it once was. Uh, so after that, uh, LSS announced the... Got down to the nitty gritty here for World Championship weekend in November in San Jose. And a little bit of... Uh, a, little bit of a little bit of controversy, which uh, we'll, t- we'll get... It would, we, It'll uh, bring us to our main topic uh, today. Once uh, uh, we'll 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 bring it up a little bit here uh, first. But uh, they gave the the quick details of the World Championship. Uh, it starts on Thursday with uh, World Championship player reception. Uh, so similar to what they did at Pro Tour New Jersey. Uh, who know they'll likely have another kind of banquet set up that's nice for the World Championship players. Friday. Is the is day one of worlds, uh, and it will have draft starting rounds one through three, and it'll have classic instructed rounds four through eight. Um, day two Saturday, will have draft rounds. Uh, it'll have two rounds of draft rounds nine through eleven, and then worlds blitz rounds twelve through sixteen is also the start of calling San Jose day one. Sunday day uh, Sunday will be uh, world's top eight calling San Jose day two plus top eight and battle hard in San Jose. So a lot of different games and playing happening uh, on Sunday. <clears throat> they did uh, release the eligibility for the world championship uh, as well. So who who gets in right? This has been a, a burning question uh, since uh, since Worlds was announced, right, that the that the prospect of Worlds was even a thing, who gets in? How do you get in? Flesh and Blood World Championship is an invitation only event. All players need to pre-register for the event. Players can qualify for the World Championship in the following ways: the first, ratings-based invitations will be issued based on standings as of Monday, September 26th at 11:59 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time directly following the end of the national championship season, with the exception of German and Singaporean players who will receive ratings-based invitations based on their standings as of Monday, October 1st at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. World championship invitations will be offered to players ranked in the top 50 on the global leaderboards for lifetime XP, 90-day XP, constructed ELO, and limited ELO. Adam, congratulations, my friend. You're in. Well, I don't know if I'm like a shoe in at this point, 
uh I, I i like i'm what i think as of today i'm in 44th place for lifetime xp oh there's a there's a bit of a fight going on there yeah between 40 i, I think it's between like 40th and 50th place the spreads less than 100 points okay then the spread to like it's actually kind of interesting because the spread then like the incremental increase in like xp is is quite a is quite low all the way up to what is it about eighth place on the board like the each player has maybe 10 15 20 xp on the preceding player if that um okay like all throughout that and then yeah all the way down to 50th like it's less than uh it's less than 100 points yeah it's it's tight so we're 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 grinding hard right now uh well yeah i'm grinding hard right now to try to ensure that that invite um i would very much like to attend the first worlds sure you get there i mean it's i feel like uh, especially lifetime xp is more about the body of work than anything else and as long as you're Right, as long as you're continuing just doing the things that you do, and you're maintaining your your status there. The uh, the 90 day XP is gonna be crazy, because uh, there are people that will just spike this as hard as they can. Um, looking at the rankings right now, the top player in 90 day global. Uh, I'm gonna butcher their names, yeah, I was but they are say, from the good US. luck. Good luck with that one. Hake Voskerchang. That's, I'm actually, say that. that's pretty good. I'm going to try. Uh, but they are at uh, 764. Uh, young hero Brody Spurlock is number two with 748. He's, I believe he's the, that's the 16 year old. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's, he's, he's making, making waves. Uh, James Silver. Uh, previous previous leader had I think at one point had something like 900 XP uh, on the 90 day, uh, just something just something insane. Uh, but he he was he's he's done every you know every pro quest RTN. He was he got 54th in he, top top 50 something in Pro Tour New Jersey. Um, he's very prolific. He's out of he's in the New England area. Um, so I, I see, I see his results firsthand, uh, a lot of the time, uh, Matt W we friend, friend of the channel, Matt W is number four. Um, but they are, I'm not going to read down the whole list. I just got distracted by those names. Uh, but number 50 is 470, uh, which is, a, which is a, a much more palatable number for those who are, uh, you know, wondering if they're, if they're. Uh, if their goals of of getting into fifty uh, top fifty global ninety day is realistic, I do expect those numbers to increase by about two hundred by the time cutoff for U.S. nationals uh, comes by. So I do not think that four seventy is going to be the number that gets you into top fifty. No. I think that'll be six seventy maybe. And that's saying something because even like maintaining four seventy on ninety day is not easy at this point. That's a lot of grinding. No, it is. It, yeah, it is. It is super grindy. Um, 
And I can attest, I mean, there was uh, just gra- like, so, you know, I got into US Nats through XP, but I didn't even, I didn't even get to top 100 US. I got to, it, I was at like 150 something, I think, by the time the cutoffs happened. And so I was like three, three something. And I was going, felt like I went pretty hard. Uh, I did. I did end up missing like a couple events and just couldn't couldn't make up for it. Like the Fighters Guild didn't fire a couple weeks, and that's you know if you're if you, I was doing the math and that was like twenty seven potential XP taken out of the equation for for the grind. You know, obviously you have to go nine and zero to get all twenty seven, but um, you know even even a you know whatever portion of that is you know off the table when something like that that happens but still going to three or four armory events a week is uh you know it's a tall order so uh, a lot of these uh, a lot of the 90 day leaders here are regulars at uh you know we just wrapped up rtn season we just we're in the middle of skirmish season and uh and we had ProQuest season just before that um all I believe all three of those types of events award six XP per, right? So it's not necessarily yeah. your <clears throat> your armory experience that's going to take you over the top, though that is one way to do that. But if you are consistently showing up to um, these these you know step above events, this is how you're being rewarded. So maybe you're not getting your uh, you know, your sealed gold foil in a in a PTI off the bat. But if you got top four in four RTNs, uh, you know, you're being rewarded in other ways. And this is it by sh- by showcasing your 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 talents and giving you a chance to qualify for for worlds here. That's a, that's my takeaway from that, because you really you realistically uh I don't think armories are going to get you there. So as long if you're attending the higher tier events, I think that's if if you're consistent with those, you know, I I think it takes away the the stigma of the armory grinder trying hard. They are still going to be there, but I don't think that's your roadmap to worlds right now. Yeah, like I I I don't think I can like. I'm realistic about not qualifying for worlds through XP. <laughs> like I, I don't think it's gonna happen. Even if I hit uh, four, if I if I if I was doing four armory events a week, I still I don't I don't think I'd be I'd come anywhere close uh, yeah. to that. Uh, yeah, I think like grinding to that level is like you're you're playing every day, and you're and some people are finding ways to play like even two times per day somehow. Yeah, it gets it gets pretty crazy, and so. You know, back this time last year, it was much more accessible online, right? And, yeah, and that's and I, how I a should... lot of right. You you sh- you could grind you could grind online up to twice a day, six seven days a week. Um, you you had to have a weird sleep schedule because you would do basically a European armory, uh, or you know, you'd go on one side of the hemisphere, and then you'd play on from the other side of the hemisphere. Now, whether that's, you know, you play an Australian zone armory that was online and then a U.S. armory online. You could play a European-based one in the middle of the day. You can play a Hong Kong-based one at 3 a.m. You could do these things and pick and choose which ones you want. And they all, 
kind of catered to that, right? Let's do six rounds of blitz every day for seven days. That's 42, you know, 42 rounds. In the hypothetical world there, that's 42 times 300 and, you know, 140 something uh, XP available if, if you, you know, if you ran the table uh, on a week, which some of these, uh, Kelvin Law in Hong Kong running Kano and in such in Kano's prime would just, right? That's that's how he he, he would just dunk it, and uh, and get the job done. Yeah, and I I, um, I should I, I should um, highlight that what I just said was like that was back in the yeah I guess in the online days like the reality of playing yeah. every day twice a day it probably isn't as realistic yeah and and it's definitely something i think people need to consider like the the grind the the grind that people disliked and have griped about right that you hear a bunch of high level competitors saying that xp and grinding these things aren't aren't the good way to do that it's not possible it's just not it's not there anymore so in order to get up there you're you still have to put in you have to consistently show up but you also have to do you have to do the extra. You have to go to these bigger events and still succeed. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's realistically the only way you you're getting up top here. And I think that's shown. If you look at the names in the global, I think it shows that because you have Yuki is 43, uh, Xiaofang is 44, um, Namvo 38, Alex Vor 33. Uh, Florin Christian Login 29. Uh Matt Matt Dilks 19. Yeah. Uh Pat Weiss is 16. You know, so like these are big names and competitors that ha- are going to these bigger events anyways. Uh and doing and and you know, putting up respectable numbers. That's how they're that's how they're getting there. <clears throat> All right, continuing on. Uh so that's your XP and now uh, constructed elo and limited elo hey everybody your elo matters so if you're top 50 constructor limited elo uh you you're in you've got your qual you, you'll get your qualification and i think that's basically you have pro tour lil really to solidify your spots and then well that's just nationals falls within it. as well yeah but is it rated at the a similar level uh, Nationals is a uh, 32k. Don't do this to me. <laughs> how does that how does that compare to Pro Tour? Pro Tour is 64k. So like the 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 weight of the Elo at Pro Tour is double what it is at um, Nationals. Fair enough. But the, so the 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 Elo from from Nationals is still pretty. It's yeah, that, pretty that is substantial. Yeah, but. So, but you only have at this point, realistically, ELO wise, you have a Pro Tour, you may have some Battle Hardens, but those are lesser than the Nationals, I believe, and the Nationals. So you, you you only have two, maybe three max events before Worlds is is what I'm getting at to qualify uh, there. Yes. So. You know, again, that there's there's people that are going that are regulars at these high level events that will that will get their get what they've earned through 
consistent good performance. They've you know you you likely already have to be close to to somewhere in there uh, in order to. I don't know how the rating system works. We know this, but I don't know how far down you can be. Like if you were at zero and just spike Pro Tour Lil, which is a mixed format uh, Pro Tour as well. Like I don't know if you can get to top ten from nowhere if you win Pro Tour Lil. That's it would be nice if you could, I guess. But realistically, it... could you? That and that—that's uh, a question I can't answer either because we're right. That, that's. So very curious that that involves like math like all this complex math and like yeah terrible terrible i don't want to do I, that i would call uh, i would venture a guess that like if you were somehow in like last place on elo even spiking i don't know because that like i would for feel example, better if it was all classic constricted i right i think if it was like, one a single format maybe if it was at the max like right, for me, multiplier. dropping four games at Pro Tour Jersey, I lost a hundred Elo. Which I is, don't know if that's a that's that, that, that's a that's lot a of significant. Elo. Yeah, okay. right. and when you consider that, like everybody starts at like fifteen hundred, and then yes. if we look at the you know the top of the let's go look at the top of the constructed leaderboard, we see yeah the spread eighteen fifty. Pablo Pintor's in at eighteen fifty. He's number one. Makes sense. Won so the Pro Tour. He, yeah, so spiking, he won 350 ELO off of spiking Pro Tour. Gross. That's actually less than I thought it would be. But I guess, what, 1850 from 1500? I guess not. Why is it going to start at 1500? That's just like, that's the <laughs> even number everybody starts I... at. <laughs> Killing me. Killing me with these. And I, I, I would imagine that... Pablo Pintor's ELO was probably fairly close to 1500 prior to. Sure. But yeah, but that, but, but that's baseline, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's just interesting. It's like, I, like, I don't, did he win? Was he at baseline? Did he actually win less than because he was, I don't know where he was beforehand. I'd have to, I don't know if we can even do that kind of research there. But, maybe only Pablo and LSS can tell us that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but those are so Elo top fifty Elo in constructed and limited are uh, ways you will be eligible to uh, get a ratings based invite into Worlds. Uh, alternatively, you can redeem a PTI, not not a not Pro Tour Lil invitation, right? PTI. So you have to win a battle hard and get a top eight, top thirty two. Uh, in a calling yeah. or pro tour, um, and you can also be gifted a PTI. And I think they're running for about a thousand dollars. Is that so, the going right now? I believe so. Um, I still don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I am okay with someone with an extra PTI making making something making it worth something to them. I think that's. That's fine. And if someone wants to buy into a pro tour one time, you know, and, and they've gotten some, I've gotten some pretty good justifications from some people. Like if the, the one example that I got is if you have like a, if you have a member of a, te a competitive team, that is like the one person that didn't get a, an invite and everybody else qualified. And, you know, for one reason or another, 
uh, it either just didn't happen or wasn't there, but they, you know, trust in the quality player that they are. They they could potentially transfer a PTI to them to give them, you know, to give that person a chance at that at the pro tour. That's you know, yeah, it's you know hallmarky noble cause, but you know stuff like that does happen and and it makes sense. I don't think I don't think there's going to be some grifter in a trench coat walking into Pro Tour Lil going, I got a, I got my PTI right here, and throw fake Rolex sleeves down and and you know counterfeit cards and things of that nature, and all of a sudden he's top eight. I don't think that's gonna that's no. gonna happen. No. <laughs> and for our main topic tonight is on day two, the format that will be played uh in the world championships uprising draft will be played be played for two rounds nine through eleven and then blitz constructed will be played rounds 12 through 16 the last five rounds of swiss will be played uh through blitz and potentially your top eight decided in a format that is very polarizing in the community as of late um, with with a lot of people saying that Blitz should not be considered a competitive format and that it is not okay to be having to be having to play Blitz uh, in such a high level event as World. And we're going to talk about Blitz and how or if it fits in worlds what do you say like my my immediate knee-jerk reaction is to say yes it does belong um i think lss has made it very clear that blitz is one of their major supported formats and they want blitz to be recognized as such and based off of that um I think if you want to play this game at that level, if you want to go to Worlds, you want to compete, you want to try to win that big show, you have to be ready to play the game the way LSS intends. LSS wants Mm -hmm. you to be a well-rounded player. They want you to be good at limited. They want you to be good at constructed. They want you to be good at all the facets of constructed, all the facets of limited. Like They don't want somebody to just show up and be a one-trick pony and be able to win. So, so yeah, no, I, I think on the surface blitz blitz in, in worlds is fine. Now I think the one thing the, the, the caveat to all that is what work is LSS putting in to make blitz worthy to be a competitive format. And the reason I'm highlighting this this way is we've seen in the past little bit that some of LSS's testing parameters aren't necessarily as balanced as we would necessarily like them to be. The 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 big example is you know coming out of Jersey when Pro Tour Jersey when uh, James White confirmed that Starvo was tested amongst Seeds Chain and Unarired Plunder Run Briar. Uh, I want to be in that meta, by the way. If I could, I would love to be just a fly on that wall and play some of those games. Well, I don't... Hey, you know what? Side note, we could totally do some video series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yep. I'm down for that. So with that being said, like the, you know, Starvo got then released in a, a world where all of his nemesis is nemesis, nemesis, nemesis. Is it nemesis for sure? I don't know. It might be. <laughs> We're going with nemesis, <laughs> the plural of nemesis. Or is it just nemesis? Uh, I, I, you know, I think it's nemesis. I honestly, I think it's nemesis, but I'm not. Nemesis sounds like sounds you like say whatever a, a you villain want on like some kids' TV show. Like, hi, I'm nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh yeah so like i I guess my question for lss if they're going to push blitz this hard is yeah what are they doing to ensure that their testing moving forward is going to be ironclad for blitz because like we saw for for a bit there blitz was a viscerai train wreck of you know rune chance and revel and rune bloods and whoever could get the first you know it was like turn one turn two kills like that is not a competitive environment in my opinion blitz i think has gotten a lot better since then um blitz is not the turn two slugfest anymore like you know we are seeing games go mm-hmm. to turn three four five again you know you still get an aggro matchup that goes to turn three maybe but it's not everybody's on that deck and there are ways to play around it now i think blitz does require you to approach it from a different standpoint than constructed does and that's fine and if that's mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. at the end of the day that's what people's gripe is is that they just can't pick up blitz and play it the same way they play constructed then that gripe is invalid if the gripe is lss isn't doing what they should be doing to test the format and make sure it's ready for that level of competitiveness that is a valid argument so it's i, I think lss just has to in turn kind of prove to us that every format that they intend to be competitive is going to be like balanced within its respects so there's been a lot of different perspectives in terms of what that might mean uh i've seen a few so it it does seem like they're if you go to like the highest levels of competitor you get you get to some of these cc purists right the ones who who will say outright, like they'll play a skirmish and say, ask, what do I play? I am putting no effort into Blitz. It is not a real format. I am just going to throw down 40 cards uh, and scoff at people who take this seriously, right? You get the, you get those people out there. Now, what is what is the stigma behind Blitz? Why, why don't CC competitors like it? There is... I mean, in a high-level Blitz game, there is no room for error whatsoever. Uh, like, in CC, you can you have a little bit of wiggle room. You have 40 life. And even at this point, 40 life isn't what it used to be with some of the aggro decks we're seeing in Blitz or in CC now. So, like, Blitz is just... There's no room for error. Uh, but then beyond that, like, there is an element where, where Blitz has been very like for as long as i've played this game i've heard people argue that blitz is just coin flippy and 
sometimes you get aggroed out of a match that you had no agency in. And I think that in part is people's gripe. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I disagree that like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes. Blitz. You only have 20 life. You're playing with the same cards at the same power level as they are in CC. Sure, you only have two copies instead of three, but it's still the same power level. Like, if you can string, like, for example, mm-hmm. Eviscera is not in Blitz anymore, but it, to, to look at, you know, if you could string together a Mordred into Revel turn, that's like their entire, you know, yeah. your opponent's entire life you total. Can, yeah, absolutely, right? Viscerai and Blitz, and, and admittedly, it was a problem, right? So vi- Viscerai and Blitz could, could turn zero, deal 30-plus damage to you in a turn right with 20 plus of that being unblockable or you know it'd be arcane damage uh and between your equipment and cards in hand right you may have 16 ish right block so if you're at 35 plus uh and they block all 16 you're still coming through with another you know right 20 uh on top of that that's game over and you didn't do anything um, which it, which is in fact problematic, right? We don't want we don't want games to go that fast. But to your point that you had made uh, a couple minutes ago, right? There are people who, right? How are they approaching Blitz uh, in in general? If they're approaching it with this uh, with a mindset of uh, if I can't go six turns in pitch stack. Right, it's not real to me. I think that's kind of um, that might be what's leading them down this path of uh, Blitz is not great. I Blitz is fast. I think Blitz is meant to be fast on purpose. It's but, called Blitz. <laughs> yeah, it's called Blitz. Right, you are going to play uh, at max uh, a half hour match. It is meant to go three to six turns. It's it's just how how that goes with the with the short life totals. Um, in my eyes, it's the pivot. Uh, it's the pivot game, right? It is it is the uh, blitz is is meant to. Uh, blitz is a format to me. Is the format where you whoever can pivot the best most efficiently will win and it rewards deck building and uh equipment choice to help you pivot and the sooner that you can pivot and grab that tempo the sooner you can win that game this can happen as early as turn one and two and the game can finish out in three and four um but it it still takes, for the most part, it still takes skill in gameplay and deck building to get you to that efficiency. Yeah, one hundred percent. And like to to like, I've always kind of viewed Blitz from this view that Blitz rewards like you kind of say people who can pivot efficiently. I've always thought people who can block efficiently. I think in a, in a lot mm. of respects that's effectively one and the same, but it, it's knowing when can I block? Do I need to block? How do mm-hmm. I block? Do you know how can I get the most value out of my cards? And I think people, you know, some people's frustrations is even sometimes that's not enough. But mm-hmm. 
the reality is is high rolling happens in all formats as well um correct yep yeah it feels bad when it happens to you i you know i know i've i've been on the the receiving end of high rolls many times and you know yeah it doesn't feel good but that is that can happen anywhere like when, when you boil it down like the majority of games aren't being played out that way i think it's just people remember those games as well yeah definitely and they right they stick with you right flesh and blood is still going to have these one card win cons and they are effective in cc and they're effective in blitz we're looking at right blood rush bellows art of war channel mount heroic it was mordred tide right these cards these cards still exist and enable these power turns that would would win games in cc and would win win games in blitz as well um I don't I don't know if um um well I are those cards and decks actually problematic in your opinion uh right now so we're looking at let's look at the what what might be considered the top of the meta right the top of the meta for me right now is Icelander as best deck in format right not very fast in in my eyes um I do believe Oldham is up there as well. Again, not very fast. And uh, I think Kasai fits right in there with the top three. And Kasai might be the most aggressive of those three, but still, I'd, I would give it mid-range at best. Um, but none of those are one-turn kill aggro decks. No. No, and... Fi has the potential to get mm-hmm. close to that. Um, I think with Art of War, like can get there. Like if you if you can have a, mm-hmm. a gnarly Art of War turn, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Like the Blitz where it's at now is not where it was some time ago. Yeah, and and it does. So I I think there's there's a kind of a it's a conflicting view between the perception of the format with the right with the reality of of the meta right so if we look at the top right you have those you have the things that slow the meta down right you have these these decks that enable these 6 to 10 turn games these second cycle pitches i'm on oldham for blitz right now like i i'm a i'm an i'm an old domain for skirmish season uh i'm slowing things down and i feel like i'm doing things effectively and there's you know it there's not a hundred percent matchups into some of these decks like the uh oldham into dash is pretty one-sided but um you have to get down at like a tier into into this a tier where you get all these aggro decks and i think that's where the problems of the format really come into the forefront is the aggro the aggro deck matchup aggro versus aggro does feel very coin flippy because it is still a it is a pivot right block efficient format and the decks are out aggressing the game's ability to provide a defense to to the offenses that it's providing and we can use Phi as as an ability uh, as an example here. In fact, we can go back to our own video of 
Spy versus Dash to see the the potential speed, the small margin of error, and perhaps the problematic nature that some of the people uh, are complaining about show be showcased in that in that video, right? Where we have we have Dash versus Fi, two similarly tiered aggressive decks. Um, I know even it, I, I don't know if it was it was caught in there, but both of us were concerned about the dice roll, and I believe I got second, and so I wanted right I wanted tempo uh, on that because I understood how much how much that meant to me. You as Dash still have a great ability to really hurt me on turn zero, um, but <clears throat> that that game came down to could you present lethal to me. Uh, when you had the opportunity to, not if I blocked efficiently enough to survive, and then my turn, I could grab tempo and attack you back. And when we go, when we talk about how small our margin of error is, you had a chance to still win until you drew two techlo cores. Yeah. In the game that. There was no room for you to draw those two techno cores in order to function, uh, function, you know, to 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 win, right? You couldn't do that. That was there was no room for that. And when that happened, that was the game. But you still had that game, right? That you game in hand without the if you drew anything else other than than double double techno core. But yeah. I think you can, I think you can insert any. You could do Briar, Chain, Dash, Phi. I would put Reinar in there still. Um, but I think you, you could, I guess, like like if you take out the Art of Wars and stuff, Reinar becomes a little less combo-y and more mid-rangey. But it still has the ability to, right? It still has the ability to really hit, hit hard and heavy. And that's kind of the point, right? Is that A tier? They call it, it's coin flippy because whoever wins the dice roll is going to choose to go second because they can get tempo first and we can, we can deal 20 plus damage a turn, even on a four card hand without, right. Without a bunch of setup. And that will force you to block with not only your equipment, but cards in hand. If you, right. If you are forced to block with cards in hand, um, you know, there's not enough time in the game to get back in most circumstances. Yeah. And and that's a problem. If if you see it as a problem, right? It, if if you're building like some people can see it as the deck working the way that it needs to work, right? But you know, if, if the game is finished in one turn cycle, that's that's not very healthy. So, you know, it's still all right, it's probably best for it to go at least one more turn cycle in order to make you feel like you played a game. Yeah. And like all this defending we're doing of blitz right now, like I, I won't lie. Like I, I do wish blitz was a slightly more drawn out format, even myself. I think there's a lot of room for it to improve as a format, mm-hmm. but it's to point out that blitz isn't constructed. And if you're looking to, if, if you're looking to approach constructed or blitz the same way you're looking to approach constructed right off the bat, it's, you know, I think it's the wrong mindset. You need to be able to approach it from the aspect of it's a different format and I need to be prepared to play to whatever it takes to play in that format. 
just like you do in draft and in sealed and 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 not everyone's gonna like every format equally and that's fine too but mm-hmm. i think the the hate on the the hate on blitz is definitely a little excessive because it isn't it it isn't uh a problem format by any means not at this point anymore i agree i agree uh there have been calls for kind of group banning of cards and, and lss has has stated in fab 2.0 when they uh when they announced the preemptive ban for stubbies and the suspension of the wizard cards and uh you know a few other things that were done uh in blitz that they would they would ban frequently to keep the format fresh um there have been some calls for some uh i guess i guess popularly uh popular cards to kind of point the finger at um namely right like art of war right now channel mount heroic uh, and like Blood Rush Bellows. There, people are calling for those to be banned in order to bring a little more parity to to the format. Do you do you do you support uh, an effort like that? Do you do you believe that there needs to be a cap on the damage output uh, of on in Blitz? Um. Yes and no. I think like to to try to balance out the format and like say okay these cards are only for cc is fine but i think that that's only fine up until a point like there are still decks that are able that are able to be disruptive and are designed to slow decks down in blitz mm-hmm. like those are still possible and if we take out too many power cards now now it, it it would be you know the 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 fatigue and the disruption decks and those would be the ones that would start to to rise up and there you want a mix of like the the strong aggro decks and the disruptive decks but yeah i think that that one is that one's one where they have to tread very carefully because of the fact that like you know you take out ardor now does fi have the tools he needs to beat old him probably not right 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 but uh, you know, like during while Viscerai was still around, like we probably could have argued, you know, you know, arguably like something like Sonata could have been on the chopping block. You know, they did eventually deal with uh-huh. with with uh, Scalata, and that was fine, and that worked. But you know, you, you could argue that maybe Revel or uh, Sonata were were mm-hmm. problem cards at the time. Um, so yeah, it. I don't think it's it's an easy black and white answer, unfortunately. Yeah, and Sonata is is Sonata is in fact suspended in Blitz. That's right. It's moment. still yeah. You're right. Yeah. But yes, uh, um, uh, yes, that's what it's uh, Sonata uh, specifically because uh, Plunder Run and Skeleta are not, and that is very confusing when you're building a deck right now. <laughs> Is that Sonata is is suspended? Plunder Run is legal in Blitz. Skeleta is suspended in CC, but not Blitz. So if you're going Rune Blade, it's really tough. So, <clears throat> would you would you consider like is is Fi or Bra- Channel Mount Heroic Briar? Um, is that are those decks a are they problematic for the format? And B, would you feel would you feel confident in winning a, a, a competitive event with either 
uh, either of those decks at the moment? Um, I mean, Briger's always going to struggle with the whole idea of do you find the Channel Mount heroic in time? If you do, mm-hmm. you probably win. If you don't, you probably lose. Uh, and that level of inconsistency makes Briar, I think, a tough choice. Like, can you take Briar and effectively high roll and win the game? 100%. But will, yeah, just will it be consistent enough? I don't know. Phi, on the other hand, Phi does seem to be fairly consistent. And maybe there there's something i don't know though that we've seen enough fi in blitz on a large scale to really know yet that it's mm-hmm. that yep. it's a, a problem could it mm-hmm. be potentially it's on my radar mm-hmm. um but it's tough to say exactly um, do you think being able to crack blade hold, uh, courage of blade hold on an empty hand and play a blood on her hands with six copper, having all blocked out with all your equipment and four cards and still attack with, uh, attack four, uh, is that 20 over four hit, no, four hits, 16, 16 minimum, uh, over four hits with blood on her hands is that is that okay i think that one's more okay because it still takes a lot of work to get to that point like you need to have six coppers right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if if you let your kasai opponent get to six coppers you probably aren't in a good spot to begin with yep and they can't really get there that fast unless they but I think they have to skirmish and uh, spoils of war and go unblocked, basically. And I think you can get your coppers uh, in one or two turns. But that's it doesn't happen too quick. But right, like Kasai's strength is it's two card hands, right? It just it does Ira better than Ira uh, it does uh, at this point. But it's not known for like its overt aggression. Um, I bring up the top three decks because. No, like uh, Kasai is Kasai's the two card hand deck. Oldham is your uh, super defensive uh, deck. Oldham can fatigue people in in blitz, right? That, that's not uh, <clears throat> it's not terribly fast, uh, and it it doesn't uh, its strength is in its defense and its ability to disrupt. Icelander is not a very fast deck in itself. It taxes. Uh, and it just it, it disrupts your your opponent's game plan. Um, it does seem like right if you if you if you're identifying decks as problematic, some of these have been tuned to be like super glass cannons. Uh, but I, it's not necessarily the correct way to build them. I think right now, like I don't know if you can put in. Like, like Lightning Briar. I know Tarek just took uh, Battleheart in Toronto, I believe, was Blitz. And he, he brought it like a Lightning Briar uh, into the top eight. But I, I think that's kind of the exception to the rule. I don't think you can build a kind of a, you know, I don't know, you know, a railgun of a, of a deck that just fires off and wins. You can, you, 
you know, I think variance gets you, and there are there are tools out there right now that will help your opponent stop you from doing that. Whether that's pummel or a frostbite, um, or or you know anything along those lines, or just good efficient blocking or the ability to block more than you'd like. Whether even with just classic defense reactions or uh, something like Oasis Respite right now, which is yeah. an insane card. And it goes well into so many things. I play I play it in Oldham. Uh, and the number of nourishing emptinesses I've stopped from Icelander by playing a uh, by blocking with a Crown of Providence and following up with a Oasis Respite and just them kind of sighing disappointedly is you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice feeling. Um, but I think. I think Blitz is. I think at the end of the the day, Blitz is a viable world championship format. I think in I order agree. to be successful in Blitz right now, you have to build a deck that is both disruptive and effective at efficient blocking. And I I don't think you can get there with a purely aggressive deck. You can high roll and get there on an aggressive deck, but I do believe your chances are lower with a like a. I love Briar. You know I love Briar. Like like if you pick Briar, then I don't think you have a legit shot of going five zero in the last rounds of Swiss. I think you have a better shot right now as Oldham or. You know, or Icelander or Bravo, uh, right now is where I would go uh, for best decks in the format. Uh, I think I think Bravo's just kind of hidden right now, but I do think uh, a defensive build for Bravo is probably uh, one of the best decks you can probably build right now. Yeah, I I think those are definitely good picks for sure, um, and. You, I think, yeah, you did mention Ice, Icelander. Um, you didn't mention Kano, though. I think Kano's in a tough spot right now. That's why I didn't mention it. Uh, I actually have not seen... Uh, I haven't seen a single Kano player, not named Vor, playing in Blitz uh, in some time. Um, I think Kano and Blitz is still a lot stronger than people give it credit for. Uh, not having snapback is certainly uh, like the stir fork combo is cute and works, um, but snapback I think was probably the bigger the mm-hmm. the, the bigger thing. Uh, but like right now with having access to wildfire, yeah, it's it's uh, a one trick mm-hmm. pony way to get the job done. But it, I think between just the might that Kano kind of always has to begin with to, with any skilled pilots and then on top of mm-hmm. that having wildfire as your fallback I think yeah. Kano still is is low-key a good deck but it, it comes down to the pilot that's the thing with Kano um Kano even more so than Icelander and I do think that in an Icelander heavy this is my hot take I think in an Icelander heavy meta Kano does falter so mm-hmm. I I think you know that that is playing a some of a, a factor as well, though I, I've talked to people who they think the opposite. They think Kano is favored. So it's tough to say. 
But I do think it, Kano is still gets an honorable mention. I have um, the the take that I've heard, and I obviously am not a wizard player, but so I don't I don't know where this falls. But um, I've heard that Icelander does just straight up does wizard better in Blitz right now than Kano does. So uh, the wizard players are on Icelander at the moment. Yeah, but, and there's something to be said about starting at three extra health with like how low uh-huh. the life thresholds are in Blitz. Yep. Like starting at three extra health and still being able to do everything for the most part just as well as Kano can. Like you can still set uh-huh. up really big out of nowhere turns. You've still got Storm Striders for that kill shot. Um, like, yep. yeah, no, I think I, I agree. I think Icelander is, if you want to play Wizard in Blitz right now, Icelander is the deck to be on for sure. Mm uh-huh. And uh, more, just to shit on Kano, just a little more. Um, I think, I, so Icelander, Blue Heavy, has a B4, I think, in the uh, in the Wizard matchup. I could be wrong, but I, I believe it's it's pretty close to AB4 or 5. Um, Oldham, AB4 or 5, Heavy Blue deck, uh, Kasai has a has an iffy Kano matchup, um, but then you get into you get into the quote unquote the field right, and I think Kano can eat you know eat the lunches of of those right. I, I bring up Phi again. Um, Phi runs maybe ten blues uh, and can arcane barrier three, but it's it's not great, and you really don't want to. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily stop. Um, right, AB3 doesn't necessarily stop Kano from doing Kano things if it's got the wildfire combo anyways. What does stop it is high AB and and Oasis. I, I think if you can if you can Oasis targeting wildfire then you're 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 golden. Um, and this is my very long circular way of saying, "Hey, everybody, play Oasis Respite. If you can't, <laughs> choose a deck that can cuz it'll help you. It'll do good things for you." Um, but I, I, and I think what it comes down to is that, you know, it, it, it comes down to a single card, but it's kind of the microcosm, right? Oasis Respite is a card that you can play defensively that disrupts your opponent's game plan in one way or another. And that, that done efficiently can help win you the game more than poking for two oh six times in a row, uh, you know, or some other, some other way of, of going about things. Um, So Adam world's competitor, you know, you know that blitz is happening and you want your best chance of, of going five Oh in rounds 11 through or 12 through 16. Who are you playing? Icelander probably. Yeah. Right. I think you gotta, to to play I mean, wizard at worlds that that to me that mm-hmm. that sounds like a jolly Speaking good time. That'd be a feather feather in the cap. Yeah, I I've chosen so I'm on Oldham because I have found that its matchup into aggro is good. Um, like I can beat Phi, uh, but it's <clears throat> Phi. I'm on the fence too because I, I kind of feel bad about Phi. I'm I'm all in on Phi and constructed. We know that. Um, I was all in on Phi, uh, 
but I knew that Oldham was a problem for Phi, so I started practicing with Oldham, and it turns out Oldham's really good into a lot of things. Uh, I, in fact, I would argue everything except Kasai. <laughs> Um, and it has a bad matchup into Kasai. So if I, if I can dodge, if I can dodge her, I feel really good about my other matchups. And that's including Icelander. Um, I can go AB4 with a Frost Hammer and feel very good about my chances against Icelander. I still have to play Disciplined, and there's still a chance that she can get over the top on me if she gets multiple Frost Hexes out uh, early enough. But if if I can be disruptive and not overextend myself and uh, just clear either clear out the frost bites or you know arcane barrier when when they break uh, in in damaging me then I'm in a pretty good spot and the deck is built around the the ability to pitch right through these uh, through these arcane effects so um, I can I can block out right I can fatigue players I can do uh, I can do a lot of things and I can still disrupt players with Okanold. Um I go to second cycle I can I can I can out fatigue Turley Iras and things like that so uh, I feel really good on Oldham if I were in Worlds I would likely play play Oldham yeah and I think Oldham's a great choice for Worlds as well all right well you know I think. Uh, I think that covers our bases on uh, on the card talk. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about things that aren't card related. What do you What do you What are you up to these days, Adam? What is What's your What do you What do you do when you're not fleshing and blooding? <laughs> you mean there's something more to life than flesh and blood? Heaven forbid. <laughs> I mean, my big thing lately, other than flesh and blood, has been Blood Bowl. Uh, I, yeah, I, I've been jamming games of Blood Bowl 2 on the Xbox and that keeps me going. It's a, it's a video game? Okay. Well, it's, so it's, it's, it's a board game at its core, but then the board game has been adapted into a video game, which the video game plays entirely like the board game, just on a digital platform. So like, okay. you can, like one of the, the really cool things about Blood Bowl is like, the whole team management aspect like you you take on the role of uh of a coach but also kind of a general manager two in one and you participate in a league and you like through call that of... franchise mode in the madden world yeah yeah exactly like the the, yeah, the yeah. entire game takes place within franchise mode um mm-hmm. and you you know you you have uh, a treasury that you use to like make acquisitions and you fire players like there there's there's so much to the game outside of just like being on the on the pitch moving the guys making tackles trying to score touchdowns and the 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 the, pitch yeah it's not the gridiron it's the pitch (laughs) all right all right, this blasphemous game. Oh, All the, right. the the first thing you have to accept with Blood Bowl is like it is a hundred percent a satire of American football. Oh, okay. All right. But it does it in in the best possible. Well, I'll have to keep like next time I see Blood Bowl on sale on Steam for like five dollars, I'll get you to buy it and we can play a game. All right. All right. Down uh, but yeah, so they like the the the. the 
the digital version just does a good job of like drawing you into like all the league management and that kind of stuff. So I've been really enjoying that mm-hmm. lately. Um, and always we're beyond that. We're always working on some musical stuff here or there. I've been enjoying picking up the guitar lately and jamming out some metal guitar riffs and just seeing what I can come up with. And of course being the, being the, the, the audio engineer of this duo uh i do have like a bunch of fancy software for like guitars and drum emulation and all this different stuff so i'm able to essentially have like this one man band set up thing in my i i can i can write entire songs and do essentially a, a finished product of every instrument right off my computer okay. all right i like that I actually, I don't know if I shared this with you. I don't have a musical bone in my body, but <laughs> uh, I have uh, uh, audio engineering is actually in the family. It's, it's a kind of a small world thing. My my brother is a, a got his degree in music engineering uh, at a at a college uh, in Boston, uh, but he does he has his own recording studio in his house full of professional level gear and all that stuff. I don't touch it, but I can appreciate uh, what what you do uh, from an outsider's perspective, an admirer's perspective, I'll say that. What have you been up to lately, Pat? Oh, I've just been... Actually, I started getting into this TV show. Um, you may have heard of it, Stranger Things. Okay. I... Ooh. Like, how far into it are you? I am five episodes into season one. Okay. Okay. I so, I really enjoyed season one of Stranger Things. Like, street, season one is... Season, I've, got, I've, got, I've got questions. I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. And the, from, like, one of the things that I'm going to... I don't want to say anything that ruins Stranger Things for you. Like, oh, not from, oh, like, oh, a, a oh. plot, like, a, a spoiler standpoint, but from, like, a... Uh, just like I remember when I first watched season one of Stranger Things, and like there there was a lot of like, oh, this is really interesting and different, and what's going to happen next? And uh, I will say that the show does become a little more predictable as it goes on into later seasons. But despite okay. that, like I we well, I think season four is the most current season. Uh, uh-huh. My partner and I we watched season four, and even after like all our gripes were said and done. We're still now going. I wonder what's going to happen in season five, and like I'm there. There is there is some excitement for it still. Like even after everything's said and done, so like it, the mm-hmm. the show has has gumption to keep you coming back. It's good. It's good. It does. It checks a lot of boxes for me. So uh, I was I was basically bullied by my wife and kid. Uh, my wife binged it straight up in like a couple weeks and uh she i was i was getting ready for st- i was grinding and practicing flesh and blood games and she started it and she's like sit down and watch i was like nah <laughs> and then and then and then she got a couple episodes in i was like now i can't watch it with you i, go, <laughs> I don't know what's happening so i can't watch it now because it'll be spoiled so i'll just wait till you're done um, but now that time has come so now i'm watching it no it's, it's very interesting yeah, no, it's it for what it's worth. It's it's a good show, and there's like, 
they, they they have a cool concept for sure um and like i said season one was like awesome i loved season one mm-hmm. of stranger things i i don't know what it is i don't like matt modine like as a person so i see him seeing him as the doctor dr brenner i forget what his actual name is in the in the show but the doctor of hawkins laboratory the white-haired guy yeah yeah he was in full metal jacket uh dark knight rises he's the uh lieutenant commissioner uh, in in the third batman movie Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark I'm trying Knight. to. I don't even. Wow, I don't even. Okay, Blake. Blake is driving the the driving him when uh when Bane escapes from Wall Street and they have to make a choice. Right, everyone's on motorcycles and Bane's getting away on motorcycles and then Batman shows up in the wing, right? And then <clears throat> Blake is driving. They got to make a choice to either get the guy on the motorcycle or get batman and the guy looks at him and goes i'm gonna do what jim gordon never did and i'm gonna get the batman that's matt modine right same dude yeah okay i i completely missed on that i'm really bad with like names and remembering actors and stuff like that i'm like you know that guy with the face he was in that movie yeah the guy the thing with the face i get that that i'm a bit of a cinephile happened no i'm a i'm a lifelong like movie guy love movies watch i've watched at one point at one point i exhausted the netflix library i'll say that I, I I had maxed it out. Watched everything that there was to watch. That's insane. On it. it was it was very early on in its inception, but I had I had done it um, for at least at least you know for that up to that point. And then that, you know, that's a two fun days later. claim to fame. You'd be like, I at one point watched the entire Netflix catalog. There's some weird there's some weird movies. Oh yeah, there, but I've, I watched I've them. gone into the, the deep, them. deep dark folds of, <laughs> of some Netflix stuff. There's some weird stuff in there. There is sure. there is. There's some good stuff. There's some I so I I love movies. I can talk about movies all day. Um but there there's a couple ones. I will now that I just briefly now I got to find the name of it. There's there's an interesting movie that I saw in this run on Netflix. Uh, there, there's a movie. It's very interesting. If you ever get a chance, it is called uh, "For Matt's Room." I believe it's Spanish, but I could be wrong. I'm not that great, so I apologize to the filmmaker if you are not, in fact, Spanish. But four mathematicians are invited to solve an enigma. Once there, they're locked in a mechanically shrinking room and given one minute to solve each puzzle via cell phone while also figuring out why they're there so very Ooh. much like uh you know uh like clue style invite into a mysterious mansion everyone's brought into a room that you know the host comes out does you know introduces themselves under false pretenses leaves everyone's locked in like the main library and then the walls start coming in and while the walls are coming in, they realize they're all they're all genius mathematicians, uh, and there's math-related life and death puzzles, and the room gets smaller, and it's it's really fascinating. But it's a good one. It was made in 2007 for Matt's room. 
uh, foreign like language saw, math thriller. Saw, but like, saw yeah, but made a from beautiful your, mind. <laughs> yeah, made by your uh, your high school algebra teacher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, That's so, interesting. Give, so give that give that a shot on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if it's on, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was at the time. Well. Here's the thing that you have American Netflix. You have good Netflix. That's that's true. I hear there's some other stuff that I hear good good things about international Netflix, but uh, I no longer have the time to max out what's available. If I could go international, <laughs> oh man, that would be crazy. I have to quit my job. I'm not going to do that anytime soon. Got to got to got the podcasting career is going to take off a little. Yeah. Before I start, <laughs> sorry, I start doing that. All right. That is enough of humanizing ourselves. Um, I think that will do it for this episode. Uh, we do have to do the plugs, so make sure you find us on YouTube uh, at the Combat Chain on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell notification to make sure you see when the uh, podcast episodes and uh, various videos come up on YouTube. You can stream the podcast anywhere audio, uh, anywhere you stream your audio uh, podcasts and any of those platforms. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us at the Combat Chain. You can find myself at Pat Smash Good, and you can find Adam at Fom Tulery TCG. Before we close it out, do we do we hit him with the new the new? I don't know what oh, you want to call. Yeah, it. you want the the new the new bop. You want to you want to you want to you want to bring it bring it home with some stank. <laughs> stank is that what we're gonna call it? The... Uh, it's it's it makes me want to go it it makes me make this sound uh. <laughs> that's that's it's a good thing i'm told in music when when you go uh. i got a face people know the face that i'm gonna make when i just when I do, uh. i'm all i'm all crinkly it's like i smelt something bad but also heard something real good uh, and being on the other side of the video cam, like the, the face, the sound all together, I'm a little unsettled, but I'm I'm glad. Oh man. Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh, it sounds sounds familiar, doesn't it? But it's a little. Oh, oh, we got some. Oh, it's good stuff. Oh. See. Oh, oh, you can feel that. You want to turn the bass up to like 11. And then the... I'm telling you what, I'm going to make this my ringtone. I want to make this my alarm when I wake up in the morning. I want... Oh, and there's a little change there. We're going on a journey, everybody. We're going on a journey. A funk journey. A jazz journey? What do you call this? What do you what do you what do you call what is this genre? I believe this is trap. Like at its rap? core, trap. It's like a form of electro dance music EDM. I'm, I'm trapped in the funk, is what I am. That sounds like <laughs> ah! Oh the tone change. <laughs> It's so good. I'm this is going on a journey. This is this is walking through the Mordor music right now. <laughs> All right, Pat. 
Alright, alright, okay. Until next week, we're closing the combat chain. Night.